This is Reimagine Law, a podcast about legal education and careers to help students navigate their career choices. So I'm delighted to be joined today by Roy Lee. Roy is a Legislative Counsel at the Law Officers Chambers in Guernsey. So Roy, welcome to the episode today. And and Roy, we're going to speak um, about what I think is a fascinating career path and area of law all around legislation and its drafting. Um, But first of all, let me hand over and let me give you a chance to introduce yourself. Thank you, Nigel. I've been a uh, legislative drafter, a lawyer and a consultant for 27 years. Um, as Nigel mentioned, I currently work as Legislative Counsel in the Officers Chambers in Guernsey, and I also run part-time consulting practice, Solon Law, which specializes in policy and legislation with a focus on sustainability. I'm admitted as a barrister and solicitor in New Zealand and in the state of Victoria, Australia. I've consulted and practice in New Zealand, Australia, Guernsey, the Cook Islands, Kiribati, Afghanistan, and Kyrgyzstan. Wow. <laughs> what a what a what a wonderfully international background. Where I mean, this is going to be such a fascinating um, conversation. I think, and for our listeners, it will it will really really help them with some thinking around possible directions. Um, Roy, just uh, we always we always like to think about going back to our beginnings of our career thinking ourselves. What what drew you towards law as a possible degree and, and career choice? Well, originally I wanted to be a journalist because I loved writing. Okay. But I grew up in a country where human rights were not respected in Malaysia. And um, I dealt with state-sanctioned discrimination at a very young age. I figured out early on that I wanted to change the world. Mm. I thought as a journalist, I would be reporting on the world rather than changing it. So I opted to be a lawyer instead. Actually, engineering was also an option. In fact, I studied in a science stream in high school, classical, three sciences, double maths, nothing remotely literary or artistic, <laughs> but I wanted to change the world, so I went for a law degree. Fantastic. And and how, how did your studies then develop? Because obviously, you know, as you say, where you developed towards this area of legislation and, and governance, um, human rights as well, that you've mentioned already your, your interest there. How did your how did your pathway develop? You know, now you look back and think about the choice, some of the choices you made. Right. Um, I started out as a legal editor, actually, in a family-owned okay. legal publishing firm mm. uh, called Brookers in New Zealand in the 1990s. Those days, lawyer jobs were few and far in between in New Zealand. My university alone turned out 180 law graduates every year, and there were five law schools in New Zealand. And we had a population of three million people and 70 million sheep. <laughs> so there, was, there weren't that many jobs there uh, okay. for lawyers. So I started a weekly newsletter-style publication called Brookers Resource Management Gazette, mm-hmm. reporting on cases in the planning tribunal, okay. regional and local council resource management plans, and environmental issues and developments. Um, this was all centered around the new Resource Management Act back then. Mm. I also started a quarterly journal called Human Rights Law and Practice. So in a way, I got to be a journalist and do a lot of writing. <laughs> and, and and Roy, you obviously this is a, a radio episode, but you know I can see a smile on your face there. So you enjoyed the writing, did you? Is that something that that gave gave you energy? Uh, yes, it did actually. I mean, uh, it, was, it was good to be able to do what I like doing and um, be paid for it. <laughs> and as you say, you so you were starting to report on those cases. So is that when you began to get interested in, as you say, developing towards law as a career itself? I think I was always interested in law as a career, and I was always interested in these two topics uh, back then. So it was a perfect opportunity to do something that I enjoyed in an area I enjoyed, although it wasn't practicing law. It was Mm. still 
learning about an area of law, which I thought was relevant to what I wanted to do eventually. So yes. uh, that's what drew me towards it. Plus, it was a job, and there weren't that many jobs around back then. Yeah, so, so practical, practical point there. Yes, exactly. Um, and what were your next steps um, then, Roy? Where did you decide to go next? So a couple of years later, I got a job as a solicitor in the Ministry of Agriculture and Forestry. Okay. Yeah. It gave me great exposure to a wide range of legal work, um, contracts, negotiation, drafting, advising on the interpretation of legislation, mm. giving drafting instructions to parliamentary council, dispute resolution, reviewing prosecution files. Um, I also managed to chaperone a major bill through parliamentary select committee hearings and parliament and advise the ministry on it. So it was fantastic exposure for a young lawyer. Mm. The good thing about working in a small jurisdiction is that you get to jump in the deep end very early in your career and you have to learn fast. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Roy, I must say that this struck me already, you know, as you say, you, you go into that job and then you're drafting stuff for government, you're, you know, you're really impacting at a, you know, at a governmental level already, you know, for your, for your country. Yes, it was um, actually, I mean, the exposure is fantastic. I can't um, recommend it enough uh, working for a uh, government, uh, working in a number of areas of law at once um, as a young solicitor. Um, it also gave me um, a lot of exposure to legislation, and I noticed how badly some laws were drafted. Um, in a few cases, I looked at the provisions and concluded that my grandmother could have done a better job, <laughs> and she's been dead for several years then. So um, I then took three months off after this stint in, uh, in the ministry uh, to live my dream. I traveled and visited um, friends in Papua New Guinea and okay. uh, went hunting with a bow and arrow with village boys. Um, I didn't hit anything, but had a marvelous time and learned firsthand about corruption, environmental degradation, and exploitation okay. that indigenous communities suffer in um, various parts of the world. Mm. So when I returned, I worked as a freelance legal consultant contracting to the ministry. Mm. And I also worked as a contract manager for a bank for three months, but that didn't suit me at all. Okay. Uh, the main concern was to save money for the bank. Well, I needed to work for a cause and not just money. Yes. Yeah. So there's something there about staying, you know, in some of the episodes, Roy, we've talked a lot about, you know, connecting with your values and being very sort of linked to those in, in your choice of career. Um, and, and Roy, just thinking from some of the things you said, as you said, you were involved by drafting at this stage. So what were the skills do you think you needed to develop for that sort of career path you were creating for yourself? What were the key things you needed to be really good at? So I think the uh, biggest skill as a as a drafter mm. is to be able to learn a completely new area of law every time you take on a large drafting uh, okay. project. Yeah. Uh, like other lawyers who might specialize in a couple of areas, as a mm. drafter, you have to take on whatever lands on your desk or inbox um, that month or that year. Mm. You have to master it, but you have to tell the world what the law is in that area within a few weeks or months. Yes. And if you and if you make a mistake, uh, that's quite a high-pressure job in a sense, because if you make a mistake, the whole world will see your mistake. And it might even stay yeah. on the statute books for the next 30 to 50 years. Wow. Yeah. There are other um, key skills as well. I think uh, the, a sense of detail when you're drafting mm -hmm. provisions, mm -hmm. while being able to keep an eye on the big picture, on yes. what the policy and the legislation is intended to achieve ultimately. And Roy, can I just ask, can you ask about that? Because I'm just thinking almost as you say, I'm just imagining this, as you start with a blank, not a blank, well, a blank sheet of paper, you start with a concept, with an idea. 
does it does it work that you you begin before you draft does it are you working almost with government and they're saying well this is what we want to achieve or and and are you almost taking someone's perhaps your vision as well you are you kind of working as a team and coming up with someone say well this is what we need to create is i'm just i'm just trying to understand the creative process it sounds really interesting it is nigel you normally work with someone else a policy mm. analyst or a, a a minister or whoever is giving you instructions okay. and it really depends on how much they know and how much they're prepared to instruct you okay. because uh some of them know a little bit about the topic but not much and they leave mm. it to you to fill in blanks and in a small jurisdiction there are a lot of blanks to fill in so you um have to get creative and fill in the blanks in the best way that you can um, based on best practice and your understanding of what the uh, situation is and what needs to be solved. Yeah. Um, in a bigger country, I think you have less of a role in policy and you are more confined to drafting the legislation as per the policy instructions or the um, uh, approved uh, drafting instructions, if you like, or mm. cabinet papers and, and so on. So yeah. it depends on the situation. But yes, it, it is a, usually a, a joint effort. Very interesting. Very interesting. And it's interesting the way you've, as you say, you've given us a picture there of, as you say, in a, in a smaller jurisdiction or a larger jurisdiction, perhaps the, how the process is slightly different as well, um, as, you, as you've just noted, noted too. Yeah, very interesting work. Very interesting. And and uh, I noticed on your on your CV, Roy, that, and you've mentioned this already about your passion for, you know, thinking about governance, thinking about human rights, thinking about the environment. Um, how did that evolve? If we just go back to that a little bit, a little bit, in, in the sense of how how the career evolved and how you then, you know, still stay connected with those deep senses of purpose and your values there, and how you you develop that as you carried on your work. My original interest was to work for an NGO. I would say um, okay. I think that because because my passion was human rights um, yep. back then. And um, un unfortunately, there weren't that many jobs with NGOs uh, and, and law um, back where I lived in, in New Zealand. Mm. Um, so I ended up working for government. But I found that by working for government, you can actually do a lot of good and implement a lot of very sensible things mm. uh, which, uh, which need to be implemented in order to uh, promote and, and uh um, respect human rights really yes. um, while at the same time achieving your client's objectives so it becomes a a balancing exercise between the two yes. and that's what fascinates me that you can do a lot of good while actually achieving your client's objectives you mm. don't have to necessarily um, uh, sue a big corporation or take a government court in order to achieve things you can actually work within government and mm. Uh, mm. change things in your own way and, and your sphere mm. of influence if you like mm. Mm. and and Roy I'm just imagining this as you say you're working with the, with the government over a number of years how um obviously governments change I'm thinking it made me think of elections and things like that and how things evolve in a, in a government I mean so I, I guess do you do you stake in I, I guess if you're working with the civil service perhaps that's more permanent so it's this sense of almost is, if there's a bit of legislation you've drafted, you then keep in touch with that bit of legislation with revisions to it as as time goes by as well. Certainly, I think if you if you work in a country for um, more than a couple of years, then you start to see 
the legislation you drafted coming back, uh, which is a good discipline, really, because yeah. if you get it wrong, uh, you can bet that people are going to raise a lot of questions about it. And uh, you'll have to explain in a very embarrassed uh, tone why the legislation doesn't make sense uh, if you've drafted something that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so it's excellent discipline and um, excellent uh, exposure as well, because you see how the legislation works in practice mm. and what people actually do with it and what the problems are with drafting legislation in the way that you did, because after a number of years, you see gaps or chinks or, or um, cracks in the, uh, um, in the structure that you built. Um, and, and the fewer gaps and cracks there are, the, the more proud you can be of the legislation that you created, I think. Sure. Um, but yes, it's a good discipline. Yeah. And, and Roy, is there perhaps one example of something that, I don't know, perhaps was very challenging that you look back on and think, well, that was a really interesting piece of work and I'm really proud of what we achieved there. Is there sort of one one or two examples that stick out? Certainly. I think in the um, last few years, I had to draft legislation in Guernsey to implement the EU um, GDPR um, oh, yeah. in Guernsey and write that in uh, plain English um, in, in, uh, in, into legislation. So that was a quite a big challenge, really, um, given that um, many other countries took five or six years to, to draft that legislation. And we um, did it in a couple of years, really, uh, or less wow. than a couple of years. So yeah. um, it was a challenge, but um, it was very satisfying to, to complete that uh, because it was a major task. And uh, we did that in quite a short period of time to what I think is a high quality level, basically. And Roy, with that particular example, was that one where, as you say, it was the EU legislation that you were that you were bringing in and um, in in there and, and, and drafting? Was that one where you had to take some Guernsey law that already existed and think how does this fit, or were you starting with it? Was it quite a, an, a a space that you could you could use and uh, and do the law from there? Um, it was pretty much a blank page, but we did have a Guernsey law and we had to carry over some of the concepts and exemptions and exceptions into the new law. So it was a bit of a both really, marrying um, a, a new law with uh, existing exemptions and, and exceptions and so on. Interesting. I mean, I must say, Roy, just imagining it, it does sound very complex because as you say, there's often there's something that exists that's a, either a to some extent or to a large extent that you then have to have to have to sort of merge or, or bring together with with other with other concepts it's um i, I can imagine i can imagine the complexity there um any and any other examples roy certainly i think this is um some pro no, pro bono work that i did uh recently mm. which is basically to um help the uh west papuan uh, independence movement to um craft a the green state vision uh, for West Papua, which they um, wow. have adopted and uh, promote. Um, in this case, I was working with a number of um, um, leaders in the uh, ULMWP uh, provisional government to help them conceptualize the green state uh, vision and express it in, in, um, in policy oriented uh, terms, if you like. That's fascinating. So is that, um, and forgive, forgive me, is that vision almost about how we how we operate in a sustainable way? Was that the that the essence of the, the or the purpose rather? Essentially, um, but um, the um, the indigenous people have a very um, unique vision of the, the world in the sense that the goal in life is not to um, 
get rich as fast as possible and 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 um, have lots of bling, which uh, which uh, most people have these days, unfortunately. Um, the uh, but they see uh, the objective of life as uh, living in harmony and balance with uh, non-human beings, and uh, that's quite an amazing uh, and very uh, essential um, paradigm today. I think, uh, and and the world we live in, threatened by the climate crisis. Mm. And, this, and it must be very interesting to to have the task then, as you say, from a governance or a legislation point of view, to actually think, okay, for that type of vision and and approach to life, how do we how do we encapsulate that? It would be absolutely amazing. Yes, it's and it's a very um, it's a brave new world kind of um, uh, vision, if you like, uh, and yeah. it would be it would be fantastic to po- populate it over time. One thing we're always thinking with our listeners being um, often either just finishing high school or um, or thinking of perhaps in the early stages of their uh, university or college education and thinking about career choices. Um, all those fascinating things that you've done, you've got involved with, you know, with, at the governmental level in all these different very international locations. Um, if they're interested in um developing careers possibly or getting experience in that type of work what would you what would you say to them what would be your your advice to them i would say get a broad range of legal experience be mm-hmm. hungry to try out different aspects of law whether it's litigation prosecution advising on legislation drafting contracts policy private sector transactional yeah. regulatory compliance be hungry to learn about different areas of law um, you will find that all that experience will be recognized and useful when it comes to drafting laws. Mm. Also find areas of law you're interested in or passionate about and um, seek every opportunity to work in these areas. Be willing to try different things or volunteer and in turn or mm. work abroad to gain experience. Yes. Yeah. No, that all that all make that all makes that makes perfect sense. And I say it links back to something we talk about a lot on the on the podcast, which is okay, about what are you passionate about? You know, what's your what's your why? What 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 would you really like to change in the world as as you look forward? And I suppose just finally, Boya, you know, perhaps a, uh you've already given some advice to, to junior folk, but if you were looking back and giving advice to your younger self starting out on your career, what do you think you would what do you think you would say to the younger Roy? <laughs> Well, I will tell the younger Roy to do what you're doing, but only do it smarter. Think a bit more before you do. And for God's sake, look after your family. They're the number one priority in life, whether you know it or not. The only reason you have a career and can do the things that you do is because you have your family behind you. So look after them, respect them and nurture them. And that goes doubly for your spouse or partner if you're lucky enough to have one. Fantastic. Roy, that's been, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and, uh, and for sharing sharing an insight into such a fascinating area of work as well. Um, I hope all your work continues to go well. And thank you very much for joining us on the, on the, on the podcast today. Thank you. My pleasure, Nigel.